Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 120. Are we ready? Do you want the suspense? I don't want the suspense. This is a, the this suspense the, is that this you is, here don't this remember. Is a, this is a theme episode. People are getting tired of this, but this is going to be episode 128. 128? Yes. You sure? Yeah, because we just had our five second rule and I've been getting up at six in the morning on Instagram. Well, and that was episode 127. That's uh, when you're hearing this, that's true. But man, we we're recording this a little bit early and late. So <laughs> no, early, oh, no, but no. late. This is this is the day of. <laughs> no, it's not. So this is early and late. So a couple of podcasts ago, we had one where we said like, man, this took two days because we went over midnight. This is going to be one of those podcasts. So uh, if 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 Mike gets a little slow at any point and is 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 falling asleep, it's not because he finds Orlando boring, but it's because uh, uh he's a big baby and he wakes up early and uh and uh you know. The staying up late thing, man. You know how easy it was to stay up late when you were younger. Uh, yeah, I st- I still do that. That's true, you do. But I mean, I'm, like, I'm, okay, I'm an old guy. But like the going out with friends, like when friends were like, "Hey, uh, you want to go do this? You want to go do that?" And like as you get older, you're just like, I kind of just want to go home and watch Netflix. You know, like <laughs> there's like a shift that happens. No, I get. I don't know. I I'm kind of in this place right now where I used to be able to get up earlier when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll never forget when I was in fifth grade. I think. I would get up like at five thirty in the morning and get my bowl of Fruit Loops by myself, and like just I was very self independent. Now that I'm older, like it's a whole new, whole new story. But this is why we're doing the five second rule because Orlando yeah. is getting up thirty minutes earlier, and you know, no matter how toe up my beard is or my eyes are barely open, every six in the morning I've been getting up, and some of you have been tagging us saying, "Hey." I'm doing this five second rule. Yeah. So that's great. Like we love this, this challenge. We think it's great. If you haven't checked out the episode, go check it out. It's another one of those ones where Orlando and I go back and forth on. Um, and you know what? I, I, I love that we're able to do that because uh, realistically, I feel like that's how we grow as a community and as people, like you've got to have a little bit of friction. Uh, so I love that there's that friction here in this podcast. Um, and today we're going to be talking about something really cool. So uh, we're going to be talking about being a full-time reseller, kind of what it looks to be moved to that full-time. So I'm part-time only. So let us know down in the comments below. Like, what do you think? Are you already a full-time person? What are your biggest tips or or difficulties being full-time? Are you planning on going full-time? Are you only part-time and maybe consider? Let us know down below. What are your thoughts about going full-time? Is that the goal? Is that something you're already doing? Uh, we'd like to know. So here's the interesting thing about this episode. I thought this was going to be like a one-time like, hey, what's it take to be a full-time seller? But then I was, I was researching and putting notes together. I was like, no, this is going to be a multi-part series. Now, it's going to be multi-part and it's going to be applicable to everyone because I think, and we talked about this before, you should always plan in case you need to go full-time. Yeah. Right? Because you never know. Like, I, I'm t- I want to make sure you guys understand that. So back in the day when I used to watch other resellers on YouTube that had left to go full-time, I remember them always sharing these stories like, I was at my corporate job. I loved it. And one day I was called to the office and they told me that I was no longer part of the company. No reason at all. Performance was great. Everything was good. And they walked away. And I always thought, nah, something else happened. Like, no, there's no way they did something. Right. And then when it came to for me to be my turn. Now, I never was told like, hey, you know, it's time for us to part. I chose to part ways. But I chose to part ways because obviously all the circumstances that were playing out weren't to what I had wanted. And ultimately, I had been in a place where I wasn't exactly preparing to be full time, but I could be full time and I was able to walk away and now I'm good. Yeah. 
And so I wanted to share this, not as an expert, not as somebody who has arrived. I've only been in my second year. I'm about to finish my second year of reselling here in June, but we get this question a lot. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing too, is like, I'm not full-time, you know, I'm, I'm part-time only. And uh, technically my wife is full-time, but kind of, she, she isn't doing it as our sole source of income, right? Like this isn't like what we need to survive. So it's a little bit different. I mean, I know there's like this kind of split in the community of like, what, what does it really mean to be full-time? Um, but the reality is, you know, there is a big difference if it's your sole income. And so, you know, even me, I've got questions all the time for Londo. So I think this episode, I've got some questions for him. Just what does it really look like? And so that's going to be really great for those of you who are either not full-time yet and you're considering moving to full-time, or if you already are full-time, you can see where do you resonate and maybe even where are you differ and what are some strategies and tips you use? What are your experiences? Um, because Orlando's just one guy. I'm just one guy, you know. We're just one podcast. Experiences vary, you know. So, um, but yeah, so I'd love to have this conversation. And you know, one of the first things that I, I kind of really think is, I mean, I know you, I know the last couple of years you've been doing this full-time, um, but there's times where I'm thinking to myself, like, are you really, like, how do you do it? Like, are you actually, are you living paycheck to paycheck? Are you, are you having to take out debt to do this? Like, or are you able to pay your bills each month? Like as things come in, is reselling a way that you're able to actually live? And, and if so, like, what does that look like? Yes. Yes to all of those. All uh, right. All right. So uh, let's start with, first of all, the, the journey. So my perspective is different than others. Like there are some people we've talked about this that call themselves entrepreneurs and like they can go into full-time reselling with a negative bank account. I 100% believe you shouldn't do that. And I could be wrong, but here's the thing. You want to, while you're part-time, as you're thinking of going full-time, if I would suggest there's, there's two things and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but you need to be able to pay your bills when things are slow. So I'm, I've been able, I don't think there's been a single month that I've not been able to pay my bills and more, right? But that didn't happen overnight. That took five years. And I'm saying it's going to take you five years, right? Because the five years was me just you know, kind of casually reselling, right? I wasn't really serious about it, right? Even though I, I you can say I was quote unquote part-time and I've said myself, I was getting serious about reselling. It wasn't something that like every night I need to list 10 things every, you know, Wednesday and Sunday, I need a source. Like I did source every Wednesday, sorry, every Wednesday and Saturday, but it wasn't like imperative. It wasn't something that I had to do, but I figured out eventually by the time I walked away from my full-time career, that I was making more on a monthly basis from reselling and not only like gross profit, but net profit to be able to walk away. And I think that's very important. I think if you're at a job and you want to leave your nine to five, and I know this sounds like common sense, but I know a lot of people have DM'd us and said, you know what? I can't wait. I want to pull the plug now. And I've always said, don't because you don't, I don't want to speak on that kind of authority. I didn't understand the amount of work it would take to make it full-time. So how do you know then? So how do you know when you're at that place? Like there's, there's gotta be that transition. So if you're, if you are lucky enough to get to choose, right, you're not, there's not downsizing at your work or anything like that mm -hmm. going on. You're lucky enough to say, you know what, I'm ready to make that jump. When do you know, okay, now's the point when I'm, I've got enough income coming in 
that I can make this switch? So I would say on a practical basis, take a look at your months, right? When you're part-time and you take your lowest month of the year. And if whatever you make net on that lowest month of the year is able to cover your bills and more, then I think you're in a good place to walk away, right? There's that one component, right? Cause you got to plan being, I'll use the word being an entrepreneur. You got to be able to understand you're going to have things that go bad. You're going to have times where you buy stuff and it doesn't go well. You're going to have times where things slow down. You're going to have times when you might get injured or you might get sick. Right. And, and again, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking as I'm the only breadwinner and my reality is different than others, right? You may be able to go full time because you have a spouse that, you know, they love their career and they can offer benefits that you don't have to worry about. But for me, like there's nothing for me. Like my, my, my mother and my brother, like they, they can't, they could never take me in. I mean, they're struggling financially. I don't have any rich heirs. Well, at least I don't, as of now, if there is, hit me up. Everyone, you know, in the back of their mind is like, what if there's this uncle you don't know about and there's this inheritance that gets left to you? That'd be beautiful. That'd be beautiful. But there isn't. It's just me. Me and raising my my two boys and everything that's associated with that, the expenses of all that, it's just me. So if I go away, it's not a good scenario. So when I'm speaking about all this, if you're able to go like, yeah, Orlando says this, but I have this avenue, then that's something you got to think about, right? I mean, the, the thing with bills is that you got to look at it as if no matter what happens, you're always going to be able to pay those bills. I think that's so key. The other thing is you need to have money outside of those bills. What? Okay. So, I mean, obviously you need some money for, you know, fun stuff and things that, that come up. <laughs> right. But what is the, what's the percentage wise? Cause I try to even figure this out for me. So because I'm part-time, it's easier. I only need to net a certain amount off of reselling in order to kind of cover all of the extra things that we're doing with the money. So then everything extra just immediately goes into capital. But like, is there a certain percentage that you should say should be reinvested? Like what percentage over just paying bills should be reinvested? Okay. So I'll say before you walk away, I don't know if it's a percentage, but there has to be a healthy amount of capital in there, right? So maybe that's 5,000 for you. Maybe that's 10,000 for you. Maybe that's 20,000 for you. Maybe that's 30,000 for you, right? And so you have to think about those things, right? So I had a very healthy amount. And luckily when I walked away, it was when Toys R Us was shutting down. And so I had a good amount of change to spend and that really, you know, set things going. But you want to be in that place because if you're making enough to pay your bills, there's going to come a point where you're not going to have enough cash flow. And then what do you do? You can't buy any more inventory. You can't pay your bills. You're in a bad place, right? So I always tell people like, you should have savings. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But when I mean capital, I'm not talking about your savings account. I'm talking about something completely different. I'm talking about money that it doesn't have to be set aside, but that you have a mental check in your bank account or somewhere <laughs> that you can pull out. And no matter what happens, it's not dipping into your savings and it's not dipping into money that you pay your bills. And if I truly believe if you're not in a place to do that, going full time is going to be extremely hard. 
because you're going to be constantly hustling to not only pay your bills, but to be able to buy more inventory to reinvest in your business. Yeah. And I think that's good. And I think even going back to the idea of percentage, and I don't have the numbers like in front of me to say like, this is what I would suggest. But I think what's a good idea is if you, you, you mentioned looking at your lowest month, making sure that you can cover all your bills, mm-hmm. right? Uh, net, right? Because that's important to you. And the only way you're really going to know net is if you're bookkeeping. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, but you really have to know what are, what what kind of damage are you doing to your car? Yeah, you're getting a tax write-off, but not only are you paying for gas, but there's going to be repairs you're going to have to do because of driving. How much is it costing you to ship the items? What is your, your buy cost? So I would say, at least for me, the way I would think about moving full-time is what is my average ROI percentage over several years, right? Like you got to look at like more than just, in order for it to be statistically um, significant, you can't just have like small data pool to look at. You got to look at a, a significant number of, of months of, of sales. So if your average ROI is, I don't know, say 50%, then you go, you want to set a goal for growth in your, in your business. Then you need to know how much capital, additional capital you need to be purchasing each month. Right. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, I see that. Point. That's what I would say is I would, I would think, okay, so if my average ROI is 50% on an item or 25% or whatever your average ROI is, then part of that initial cost, I would say for me, whatever the co- the buy cost of an item, none of that gets to go to net when it's returned. That just immediately goes back to purchasing new items because that keeps you at base level. But if you want to scale, so let's say you sold a t- you bought a $25 item and you sold it for 50. When you get that $50, that $25 that you originally paid, that just goes right back into inventory. That keeps your store at the exact same like base, like what it's worth. But then if you want growth, then you need to be adding an extra, whatever that is for you, 5% or 10% inventory each month or each year in order to actually see your store growing so that as inflation goes up, as difficult times come up, your store is, has grown. Yeah. And, you know, from my own personal experience, I think that's valuable. I think if you're able to do that, you should do it. I think for me, it's difficult because I have different ROI, right? So I do Amazon and I do eBay, right? So, yeah. well, that's why I'd say an average. You would, you'd have yeah. to take, if, if you're looking at 10,000 items that you've sold in a year, you can figure out an average. Yeah. <laughs> That means that you're doing excellent bookkeeping and that's what you're talking about. I would say at the base, I don't, I personally don't think you need, I think it's important to have it, but I think it's more important to have a a healthy nest (laughs) of capital, whatever that may be. I mean, for me, I'm not going to share the number, but it was really, it was good. I mean, it was, it was like, I, I never once had to dip. And for me, it's, I personally have done it where like when I've made a big withdrawal from that capital, if it did below my number, I made sure that I did not buy anything else until that number was back where I wanted it to be. Like that, that's huge. And we'll talk about that once you're full time. What does that look like? But bookkeeping is important. I would say, and this is the one where I, I don't know. I, I, I'm always not a fan. You've heard me talk about discipline and all this, but I would say if you can't budget, don't go full time. I 100% believe that. So, well, I've talked about how I hate, hate spreadsheets and I hate all that stuff. Budget is a non-negotiable for me. I know exactly what my bills are every month. I know exactly how much money I need. I know how much money my groceries will cost. I know how much my gas will cost. I know how much if I want to just hang out on the weekends are going to cost. Like all that is set in stone. Right. So if you want to go full time that you have to do that, because how are you going to measure what your bills are if you don't have that? If you go, hey, I only need 500. Well, how do you know? What do you know about that 500? Like, I'll give you, for example, my electricity bill fluctuates from one hundred and twenty dollars to three hundred. 
right? In the summer, it jumps up to 300 something. In the winter, it drops down to 100 something, right? So I plan, I always plan that I have to pay the most. And whatever money I have extra, well, I can choose what I do with that money, right? So I always have that amount. My gas goes up a lot more in Q4, right? So I plan out my bills based on what my gas will be on Q4 on the slowest month of the year. Does that make sense? Right. So be aware of that. Make sure you understand that. It's a so. very conservative budgeting. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You have to. That's good. And then you mentioned savings too. And you already talked about like having having one, a good capital nest egg of savings. And then also personal savings is going to be part of that. Uh, and one thing, a book we've talked about a lot, but we haven't actually like reviewed yet mm -hmm. is um, is the financial freedom type books from, um, what's his name? Oh, why am I? Uh, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, right? So one of the the principles he has, and I, I love this, I think it's so easy to do and it's like simple. The very first thing is $1,000, right? Mm -hmm. Have a thousand. If you've never done savings in your life, if you've always, if you've always kind of just like gone month to month, month to month, figure out what it takes to get to a thousand. If you have to pay $50 a month for a couple of years into a savings account until you have it, once you get that thousand dollars, that's your emergency fund. That way you never have to take out a credit card. You never have to do something. If your car breaks down, you have to pay $500 to fix something. One, you should be budgeting that. Like one thing I do going back to budget is I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to have these guaranteed. I'm going to have how many um, oil changes? How many times am I going to buy new tires? You know, I've got two vehicles. So I, I try and figure that out plus possible repairs and maintenance. And then I divide that by 12. And then each month I put that amount into an envelope, right? Or mm -hmm. I put that amount into a separate account. So that way I know when it's time to change tires and it's like, well, this is going to be $600 to change my tires. It's not that month I have to come up with $600. I've been saving for that mm -hmm. all year. There's no surprises. Yeah, you know that's coming. But there will be surprises. There will be the things that, that you don't foresee. Like that is mm -hmm. a foreseeable. You know you're going to eventually have to do that. But you break your arm and you've got an extra ER bill, right? You might have to say... Okay, I've been saving for healthcare, but not enough for like this big thing. Mm -hmm. So then you can pull out of that thousand without actually impacting your budget day to day. And then you just pay back until you get that thousand back. Then the next principle he kind of says after that, and this is where I think most people are like, I don't know if that'll ever happen for me. But once you get past the thousand and once you start to get all your debt paid off, I think the goal is like the first goal is like three months of your salary in savings and then six months. Like that's the ideal. And then, of course, if you can have more, you can have more. But I think. I think most financial advisors or a lot of financial advisors would say you want to at least have six months of your monthly cost expenses, like even if it's just bare, like I all just paying my bills, like not all the extra stuff that I can cut off, no discretionary spending, but six months of I'm out of work, I've got injured or something crazy I, I happens. Think, I think you're hundred percent correct. I mean, and that's what's hard because we get the, I get DM sometimes and they ask and <laughs> sometimes they'll ask and I'll, I have like this, uh, template like this list and I throw out people and then it's like, oh, all right. And I don't know how people feel about that, but I'm just being real. Like when you're a full-time reselling, I mean, again, if you're married, it may be different. If, if, you know, whatever circumstance, if you're still living at home, maybe whatever it is, it may run different. But if it's just you, you better have those six months because you don't know, like you just don't know. You can get in a car wreck, you could be injured, you could, you know, one of, you know, your parents may get sick and you may have to take a month off to take care of your parents. You, you know, your kid is injured. I mean, there's those black swans, mm -hmm. right? Those, those things that we don't expect at all that may creep into your life. And so, so let me just recap with the finances and then we'll talk about running lean here a little bit. 
Can you pay all your bills and more based on what you're making as part-time before you run full-time? Can you have capital enough to make big purchases if you need to make them where you're not dipping into savings? And third, do you have enough saving in case things were were to go bad, let's say for six months, right? Those are key, right? And the little things, the sub points below those are, one is, can you pay all your bills on the lowest performing month? And the, the other one is, are you able, right, to conservatively, right, look at what if all your bills skyrocket or whatever ever takes place? Are you able to take care of those things? I think those things are good. So give us some tips then. You gave us some, some strategies about what it takes to, to know whether you're, you're there. No, we're not done yet though, but yeah. I know. I know. Um, let me ask my questions. All right, all right, all right. Man. Can you give me some strategies on running lean? Like what are some things that you do in order to run as lean as you can in order to maximize profits or get to where you need to be? Okay. So a lot of people aren't going to like this because a lot of us and including ourselves, we don't sell the dream, but sometimes we might inadvertently like that. Hey, you go full time. You know, I talked about this, like I travel more now and I get to do this and da, 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 da. But you have to be willing to cut out things out of your life for a while. Like I'm in year two and I've, I do travel more. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy life, you know, differently than when I was in a nine to five, but you have to be able to run lean. So what that may mean is you don't go out to eat as much, right? Because maybe you need to have that money for savings or capital. That may mean you don't travel as much, right? You have to, you're building your store, right? That may mean that you cut out other expenses that when you were you know, working a nine to five, like you don't have to worry because you always had a consistent paycheck. So it's not a big deal. Right. So for me, you, I also say you, maybe you have to renegotiate certain things. So for example, we live in San Diego. It's really expensive, right? Could I move into a bigger house right now? Probably. But my rent is at a place where it's, I'm paying such a good price that I'm, I'm going to run lean for probably two more years. Right. Because I want to make sure that I build up my inventory and my capital and everything else to a place where I'm not working as hard (laughs) because it's going to be hard work when you first start. But you can't work that hard forever. I truly believe you can. I think you will. I I can't do this for another, you know, I could do this maybe another three years, maybe. But after that, I can't work as hard as I'm working right now. I I think I'll, I'll burn out. I will. So, but you got to hit it hard. And part of that is you got to lower your expenses, right? So you also got to think about your meal. Man, we're getting into the details. You got to think about your meal planning. Like what's your meal is going to look like in the week? Do you really have to eat certain kinds of food? Do you have to get the best of this? Do you have to get the best of that? Uh, you know, do you maybe have to cut back on certain vacations? Do you have to maybe choose not to have cable TV or maybe you have to, you know, there's cut back every single bill you can so you're able to match up and pay your bills. And I would say this, this is after you've decided to go full-time, cut even more. Yeah, I think that's good. I think I think one thing to, um, to consider with that is wealth. We talked about this when we did The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, wealth is, is what you're actually worth, right? Like how much you actually have available to you. Um, but one, the only way, there's two ways of, of increasing wealth. There's two ways of increasing the amount you're valued at. One of them is to increase income, right? You got more money coming in, 
The other one is to de- decrease expenditures, mm-hmm. right? So those two things. Now, it's great when you could do those two things simultaneously. If you can increase income and reduce the amount you're, you have going out, then that's like a double bonus. But if even all you do, so like there's people who are, are living month to month and you talked about this. I mean, we, we talk a lot about like this idea of financial freedom. Um, you can easily go from being month to month to getting a month ahead. And I don't want to say easily because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes you've got more going out that can be cut. That's discretionary that, that people don't realize if they're not actually writing it down. Mm-hmm. And so even without increasing income at all, you can actually increase wealth by reducing what you have going out. And so just thinking about it that way, what are the things that you can do to to get as lean as possible? And I, I like the way you phrase it as far as you can go this hard for so long under the assumption and the goal that eventually you're going to be at a place where you don't have to go this hard, mm-hmm. but you're only going to get there or you'll get there quicker by making all of the right cuts. And I, I think about that, like how many times in my life where I had a lot of money coming in and I had a lot of money going out for silly things, buy a new stereo system for my car, buy this, buy this thing that's not going to actually, oh, I want this new game. I want this, all these things that we can easily spend money on where it's, if during those times you cut those out, how much further could you be in eliminating debt or building that Mm -hmm. six to three months or three to six month savings account? So once you get to that point where you have that six month savings account and you have a good capital and you've been able to increase your store 10% every year for the last five years because you've been reinvesting capital and you've been as lean, then you don't have to be so lean because what's sustaining and what you have built up has kind of allowed you to work less and spend more. Agreed. And I'll give it, you know, a very practical example. My leather couch at home wasn't a uh, real leather couch. It was like bonded leather. You know what happens with bonded leather? Like eventually like it starts, it gets fighter LIGO. <laughs> what other way it is yeah. crazy. And it looks pretty bad. And you know, I've, and I'm finally going to splurge. I'm going to buy a nice leather couch, but maybe, <laughs> but you know, that to me is like, you know, my kids are always like, dad, when are you getting something new? I'm like, son, we got to run lean. Like, I'm sorry, but we're going to run lean because it's going to be for the better. And I could drop, you know, that $2,000 and get a really nice one and everything, but not right now. Like the time that right now you gotta, you know, it's is our uh, mention of Gary V again in every episode, but he talks about clouds and dirt, right? You got to be in the dirt, right? He uses other language, but I do believe that. I 100% believe you have to be in the dirt and you you can't care about what other people think uh, in that scenario in the sense that like, okay, so people come over and like, what's the deal with this couch? Just like, hey, I'm trying to build my business. I'm full time right now. Like, yeah, could I buy one right now? Sure. And you know what? You don't have to tell people that. Like, you don't have to let people know. Like, it is what it is. But it's very important that you don't spend money unless you really have to. That's good. And that brings up another question I have for you then. So we talk about like all of the, I'm sure everybody can think of the practical things in their life that they can cut, whether it's eating out. I mean, I just think as easy as it is, instead of going to fast food or buying even nice meals, like because it's nice to splurge on a nice steak every once in a while, even if you're Mm -hmm. cooking it yourself, which is cheaper than going out and buying it. It usually tastes better. I don't know. That's my experience. Um, (laughs) But like, honestly, there are meals you can have. There's times where it's like, man, I, I, I'm tight. I'm trying to tighten up the belt buckle, you know, financially speaking. And I'm going to, I'm going to eat peanut butter and jellies, or I'm going to eat top ramen for lunch instead of, so my, my, or Tina's burritos or whatever. Right. So my, Tina's I can get four for a dollar. Right. Or sometimes you can get them for even better. You know, you get 10 for a dollar when they're on sale or whatever it is. 
So I'm, you're getting a meal for 20 cents or 50 cents as opposed to, you know, maybe you're eating a nice meal at lunch every day and it costs you three fifty, right? Well, over the course of a month, over the course of a year of work days, that really starts to add up. And so it's like, if you do that for a year, man, that could be an extra thousand, two thousand dollars in your bank account, right? Mm-hmm. So there, those are the practical things that I think we can all point to. Now, when it comes to business wise, what are some ways like I'm thinking like supplies, I'm thinking things like that. Like what are ways that you can get lean when it comes to that? All right. So when you're part time, like you're not too concerned about the money you spend on supplies, right? Because, you know, it, it's not cutting into your bottom line. But when you're full time, you're going to be doing things at a volume, right? It's going to be way more shipping, way more items. And so you have to find a cheaper source for supplies. Like gone are the days where you can just go, you know, to Walmart and buy some poly mailers or you can depend on eBay's shipping coupon, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. That shows up like you have to. Right. So right now, for example, I have a consistent uh, I have two or three people in my life that consistently provide air pillows for me. Like I never have to worry about it as one less cost. I also have a consistent place where I can get boxes for, you know, super cheap. Uh, bubble wrap still the expense. Uh, that's probably my most expensive thing that I end up buying. But you know, you have to because I think it'll surprise many of you. Like you know, yeah, part time you might may have gotten to a place where you're able to pay all your bills. But when you go full time, right, you're going to be able to sell more because you're going to have more time to source, more time to list. And if you're not careful and you keep spending the same amount of money you're not going to realize how much money you're losing in supplies. Like it's huge. Like it's, it's, it's really hard because you don't, you don't think about it. 50 cents here, dollar here. But you know, if you're selling, let's say over a thousand dollars, over a thousand items a month and you're doing 50 cents, like that can add up on each item. So, I mean, I know that's really practical. I know a lot of people try to already reduce that amount, but I think it's even more important when you go full time. And I think there's probably a balance because everybody's model is going to look different. So full-time for you might look different than somebody who actually, because I mean, we, we use the phrase time is money and, and that of course isn't equivalent, mm-hmm. but time can equal money. Money doesn't equal time. So it's, it's, there's a difference there. Like you can't buy time with money, but, but time can be traded for money. So sometimes it's worth it to have that contact where you go pick up enough air pillows to ship out a hundred items worth of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because you're saving a significant amount of money. But if you're selling in such volume, there, there's probably a balance or, or a model where it's actually worthwhile just to buy bubble wrap in bulk or buy Correct. air pillows in bulk no, right. or this buy boxes yeah. in bulk from Uline because it's worth it time-wise to say, I'm just going to spend $500 in supplies for this month because I'm going to ship out so many things as opposed to spending the time to try and you know piece these pieces together. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. And we'll talk about time management because I would say time management is is... Definitely one of the hindrances of full-time. I think it's harder to manage your time when you're full-time than part-time. All right. Well, I got another one for you. Okay. How about this? So I get the, to me, that part makes sense. Like the having enough money, having the savings, being lean. The part that's challenging for me, I've always worked in a full-time job where I've had things like insurance and retirement and those things kind of provided kind of those deferred Mm -hmm. sources of income. So what does that look like when you're reselling? Like what what are what are the things you can expect? Because there's probably some people who aren't paying for their own insurance, aren't paying their own taxes in that sense. Like what can somebody going from part-time to full-time expect? And what should we be thinking and anticipating that maybe we're not thinking right now? 
Okay, so this is the I've had a lot of conversations. Yeah, excuse me, I've had a lot of conversations with individuals in the reselling community that went full time, and everybody talks about breaking the nine to five. But one of the hardest parts about breaking the nine to five, things you may not notice, is all the benefits you're missing out on. The number one is your health insurance. It's it's to me it, well it's my second highest cost. I pay six hundred dollars a month in health insurance. Now I do have like. I'm not trying to flex here or anything, but I do have Kaiser's platinum plan. And so what that means is like, I barely pay, I don't pay anything for co-pays. I pay barely anything if I ever need any medicine, but I do that for my peace of mind. Like I don't want any unexpected costs, right? So I budget out so I don't have to deal with it. Now, some of you may say, Hey, I'd rather be, have an HSA or I, I'd rather uh, have, I mean, there's, there's multiple plans, right? There's different ways. I mean, there's also covered California in California, you know, I, you know, it was going to, I wasn't going to qualify for that. And so I had to go, you know, the private route. Um, I do like the private route because I have more of an advantage with things. I think it just, it's a different service when you go down that road, but you got to think about health insurance. And I know a lot of people now, as a result of the current administration, you know, you don't have to have health insurance, right? Because you don't get penalized anymore. But you got to think about like, what if you get injured and you have to go to the ER, right? Or And and I get you can negotiate bills. I've done it. I've negotiated my way out of medical bills. But man, you know, you hear it all the time. And maybe if you have struggled with this too, like an incident happens that you never planned for, and you could be out easily 10K, 20K, 30K. And it just Get, get out of there. And so for me, you know me, I like playing it safe. That is something that is a utmost priority for me, especially now that I'm 40, which I'm not that old, but you know, I wanted to make sure. So you may be losing, you may have, when I was employed, I didn't pay, I paid zero for my health insurance and my dental, right? Those are two things. So you got to think about that is if you're paying bills as part-time, you got to add that to the equation go online, check how much it would cost you if you try to get medical insurance. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Just see, right? The other part is, you know, pain into retirement. Yeah, retirement's big. I mean, so some companies, you've got a pension, right? Depending on mm -hmm. if you're government, things like that. Other times it's 401k. So if you don't got the, I mean, 401k match, that's another thing too. Like that's that's a benefit you lose. So like not only do you have the 401k, so you're, you're putting your own money in which... If you move to full time, you should be putting that same amount of money in, but you're also losing that match, right? If a company is matching a certain percentage of what you're putting in, that's deferred income. That's that's money, that's benefit that that you're getting from the company that's like on your paycheck, but it's just not on your paycheck. Well, and you don't feel it. That's the other thing, right? When you're a full-time reseller, you're going to feel any time you put money into something. Yeah. Yeah, and but that that might be a good thing. I mean, you might almost take more ownership in your <laughs> retirement. Possible. I mean, because, you know, you get an IRA, you get a Roth IRA, whichever one you're, you're putting into, which if you're if you're on your own, that's what you're going to be doing as opposed to a 401k. Um, if you're putting money into an IRA, you, you've got to at least be putting in. I mean, a lot of people say, and again, everything we say, we're not financial experts or anything like that. But it's like, Little you know, disclaimer. Yeah. But it's like, what, 15%, I think, is what they say that that, that between you and your company you should be putting in. Mm -hmm. If you're starting young, if you're starting later, you might even actually need to be putting more into that if you don't have mm -hmm. a decent retirement built up. Um, and so you kind of have to, even going back to, we talked about in Richest Man in Babylon, the idea of 
saving and paying yourself a certain amount, 10%. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what your 401k does, right? Like that, or your IRA or however you're paying into for retirement is you're paying yourself in the future. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do that. And I think I, I admit I've done this in my own life. Like I left a, a pretty decent job when I was still very, very young. I was in my really early 20s and I had built up a pretty decent 401k and it was like, okay, I'm moving. I've got all these new things. I'm starting schooling and I've got all these expenses. I've got plenty of time to add to my 401k later. I'm going to have another job with a pension and all these things. I'm just going to early withdraw my 401k, right? Or I'm not going to add into an IRA for these next three years that I'm not working because I'm going to school. But the reality is the longer you wait to start, the harder it's going to be. And so when you leave, I think there's probably a temptation to, okay, once I make it to whatever my goal is, then I'll start saving for retirement. But I think you probably got to plan for that before you make that jump to full time. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I will be, I'll be transparent that I've reduced what I put into insurance waiting for the time. And the, and the only reason I did that is because I wanted to throw everything I could into the business to grow it, to get it to a certain point. Now, that has changed over time, right? I have, I'm also doing a little bit more now in investment in stocks and, in, and eventually I'm looking into real estate and da, 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 da. But there was a time, probably especially my first year, where I wasn't doing any of that. Because I wanted to make sure I had every dollar thrown into the business in case anything happened, right? So you got to think about that, though. You are going to lose. Like, these are things that you may not think about, but they can get costly. I mean, if you're thinking about putting money into, you know, an RA, IRA and, and trying to build your retirement and do your health insurance, you could be talking, you know, $800 a month just there, right? So that's on top of the bills. <laughs> I hope I'm not scaring anybody from being full time. I just want to be real about it. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I think honestly, I think you should, I think you should be afraid to do anything like that. Now, I don't think you should not make a decision because of fear, <laughs> yeah. right? But I think I think fear is actually a good thing because it tells you I need to think this through, right? And, and it's really important. I don't think I, I think it's important not to make irrational decisions, right? And to say in the same way that you wouldn't go full time unless you're covering your bills, I think you shouldn't go full time unless you've counted all of the costs, mm -hmm. right? And so. Yeah, it might be. I don't think there's anything wrong with us saying be a little bit cautious, right? Like don't make the jump until you know you're ready to do these things and you've actually counted the costs. And yeah, it's one thing to say like, okay, I'm I'm in my 20s. I can wait to start saving for retirement. But if you're always putting that off and you're not at a place where you can do it, then it's dangerous. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're taking risks and and there's a lot of benefits to that. And so there might be a time when it's like, okay, I'm going to take on a business debt in order to do this thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with that if you've counted the cost and you recognize that at some point you're going to have to face reality, and you know these are th these are expenses that that often get overlooked. Now the other thing that you also may not notice is, and again, I know those of you that are full time, you know this because you've already paid your taxes. But when you're self-employed, you're not paying into Social Security, you're not paying those taxes, so. You know, you may think you have extra cash coming, but the IRS is going to come after you eventually and make you pay. You got to think about that. So let me throw some numbers at you, right? When you're self-employed, there's two parts. There's Social Security and there's Medicare, right? You'll pay 62... I'm reading this from a website. You'll pay 6.2%. So you, when you're employed, you pay your employer pays 6.2% and you pay the 6.2%. Now you're responsible for all of it, right? 124 yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, whatever the number is, I should have just done my math, 
right? And there's also the Medicare taxes, right? So there's all these taxes you may be aware of. And, and usually, and I, I don't, I'm not a tax expert, but it's somewhere around like, I would say the 20% of your net that you end up on. And I could be wrong. So don't count that exact number, but you got to be aware of that. And now there, I would say my first year, I ended up taking the penalty of not doing it just because I wanted to keep my cash flow and I was willing to pay my penalty later on. That's something you can do. Some people do that. Some people don't, you know, pay throughout the year. They just wait till the very end because they want to keep their cash flowing. And that's an option for you. But you got to remember that, right? That everything you make, right? You can say, hey, I took out the shipping. I took out the fees. I took out my PayPal fees. I took out my Amazon fees. I took out da 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 But you, you got to remember, you got to take out the government's cut. Right. The Caesar cut. Yep, that's true. And and even on top of that, so like taxes are the thing. I mean, we've got check out our tax episode. If you haven't watched that yet, uh, with not your dad CPA. Not our tax episode, our tax interview. Well, yeah, I <laughs> I mean, know, it was around. our tax episode. Yeah. Um, check that out. It's great. Um, taxes are one of those things nobody likes to think about, but we all have to. Wait, it's so real. I, I feel like there's <laughs> one last perk that like often people don't think about. And this is one thing, like I was ready to leave my last job. Um, I was excited for my new opportunity, but there were some costs. Like, in fact, I almost didn't make the jump because my my the the company I worked for helped pay for some of the extra schooling that I did in order to have additional mm-hmm. to to clear yeah. my credential. I had a, a teaching credential, but in California, you have to do extra steps. So I took out basically a forgivable loan at my school mm-hmm. that, like, if I stayed for a certain amount of time every year, they would pay a portion of that. And then I also had because I was the video t- one of the video I helped teachers you with at that school. loan. I remember that loan. Yeah. So I was the video teacher at the school. So I had uh, access to camera. I had access to drones. I had access to audio equipment. I had access to all these things that I could even use um, for the podcast. I had a laptop that I could use. Um, I know you had like a cell phone you were using for work. A lot of times you have these extra things that you have access to at work um, that you might lose when you leave work. So what were some of the things you had to face when you left? And and how should what are some of the things that people might not even realize are, are perks they get from their business? All right, and it all depends, you know, where you're working and what you're doing. But there's a lot. So one of the first things I remember was I had to give up my MacBook. Mm. Right. And that was key. Right. That's how I did my listing. Right. Because I'm team desktop. So that was super important to me. And automatically I already had to drop, you know, I forget what was close to 2K. Right. To get my MacBook. Right. My cell phone, my cell phone was paid by my employer, right? And they were okay if I can use my cell phone for like eBay and all that. That wasn't a big deal, but you know, they wanted me always have a cell phone so I could always be reached, right? So that's another hundred something dollar bill along with the phone that I had that was worth like a thousand dollars or whatever, right? So I had to count that. So again, that's a bill you may not be thinking about when you jump full time that you have to add to your bills. So I've already added about a thousand dollars to bills. I mean, if you go platinum plan on your health insurance and you do, you know, Roth IRA or whatever, and you lose yourself. I mean, these are expenses that you got to think about on top of that shipping. Like you may have, I know, you know, people sometimes are able to ship stuff for cheaper from their employer that they may sell on eBay, right? You may lose that perk. Or I remember for me, I save money on gas and time because when I show up in the morning, I just drop stuff off at the mailroom where I was at and they yep. ended up taking that to the post office. Mm-hmm. That was super convenient, right? And yes, I know you can call USPS and they could do, you know, pickup and all that. But to me, that's not time efficient for me. But I lost that perk. Um, some other perks were, you know, you may have the ability, right, during 
you know, at certain times throughout the year where you have time off where all you can do is focus on just reselling. You don't have to worry about anything because, you know, reselling on your own, like reselling, let me rephrase that. Reselling while you have a full-time job feels a lot different than when you don't. And the reason being is that there's a lot more pressure, right? When you're full-time than there is when you're not full-time. So, you know, Mike, during the summer, like you don't have to, but man, you, you can kind of just go out there and source when you want. Mm. All those perks are gone. Like it's all gone. Right. So there may be, like you said, there may be equipment that you've been able to use. There may be uh, relationships that you, I mean, there, there's some, you might've be getting free packing supplies for your place of employment that may go away. Right. So you got to think about those extras that you'll be missing once you jump to full time. I like it. Does that cover everything? I think so. All right. Are we ready to talk about inventory? I think oh, it's for the hustle of the week. Is it hustle of the week? All right. Ooh, I can get Come on, hustlers. there we go. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So it's that time. This episode's going a little bit long. This is going to be multiple parts. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I always like having episodes where uh, where we go a little bit longer and and people can listen in in chunks and have multiple parts. That's good. So I'm excited about these hustle week. I'm always excited about hustle week, but these are always good. So when you start us off, Mike. All right. So our first one comes from Laura. IG handle is at Aussie Bay Hustler. Uh, so it's a listener from listener from Australia. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid doing my Australian accent. Um, <laughs> I love our Australian. I love, I love all our listeners, but it's always awesome when we hear from people from like the UK and Australia. It's crazy that our our, our reach is is you know, to people that our audience is people who I would never interact with on a day-to-day basis, right? Like Maybe we really need to meet up in Australia. Maybe we need a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a, a cruise in the outback. Um, so went to a local Vinny's thrift store uh, and bought a cash flow board game. Nice. I've gotten some of those. So um, I didn't know about the, that those were a thing. Yeah. So this is um, from the Rich Dad Poor Dad line. Robert. Kiyosaki. Yep. Uh, picked it up for $250 and sold it for $110. That's pretty amazing. That's huge. No, that's great. I mean, honestly, I'm almost, I almost feel like I've shot myself in the foot. I mean, I know that there are people who are finding these before I ever said anything. So it's not like, like I own the board game market, right? But <laughs> to be honest, like I almost feel like I should stop talking about board games because I feel like it's an unreached part in a lot of thrift stores. Like people just don't look a lot of times at board games because there's just this idea that they're just going to be incomplete and messed up. Um, and a lot of times you'll find new games and a lot of times it's not that difficult to find out if it's complete and you'd be surprised how many games sell incomplete, right? If it's a really old game, some people don't mind that it's incomplete. Uh, so, you know, don't be afraid to check out because I mean, if you can turn 250 to 110, that's a pretty incredible hustle. You know, it's, you know, what's awesome about Laura though, in her, in her DM, she had talked about how she was wondering if you you ever went to full time and if you ever went to the trailer, right? And so she's like on episode thirty four, and she's like, "I want to jump to the end, but I'm gonna listen through." You are a true listener of Pure Podcast. Yeah, and so when you get to episode one hundred twenty seven, you're gonna be like, "What?" So we appreciate you, Laura. Nice hustle. Or one twenty eight, actually. Yes, one twenty eight. Twenty eight. All right. So have a husband and wife team here that I want to share about David and Lillian. IG handle Modern Vintage Vibes. Okay, they went on Craigslist. See, Craigslist is still alive. It's a thing, man. It's a thing, right? And came across an ex-eBay seller looking to move their old inventory. Picked up 376 Nike Vans Jordan Whoa. snapbacks for $1,100. That's, that's courage. That takes courage to do a big bulk buy like that. 
But think about that. I mean, that's, that's a lot. I'm just thinking out loud. That's like $3 or something a hat. Oh yeah. No, it's great. If you could do a bulk buy, I mean, it's amazing. But if you're, if you're a little bit hesitant to like spend over a thousand dollars on inventory, this is why we talked about having the capital because you never know when a deal like this is hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, 1100, that's not small amount of capital, right? That's a decent amount, you know? And so they picked it up, sold a bulk lot of 38 of them already for $532, plus a few more for $20 to $35 each. Yeah, almost. You're getting close to breaking even and and you haven't even scratched the surface. I know. So think about that. So awesome. What I love about this is that they went on Craigslist and they sourced on Craigslist, right? There's so many endless possibilities of sourcing. It's true. So thank you, David and Lillian, IG Handle Modern Vintage Vibes. Very good. All right. Our next one comes from Matt, IG Handle at Zornhau. So it's Z-O-R-N-H-A-U. Picked up an Indita cast iron adjustable flagpole bracket holder. That's a mouthful. From the 1900s. <laughs> I, had to, I had to spell it out. From, I, I guess it was 1900 exactly. That was the year. For $3 at an estate sale. Man, if you can get really vintage. I remember when I was getting into books, like the vintage was 100 years. So like when I learned like, oh, it's only 20 years and like yeah. clothing and stuff. But like with books, to be considered like an antique, it needs to be 100 years. Correct. So 1900, like... This is 120, yeah, the 1900 is 120 years old. $3 was only listing sold, um, decided to list high, was the only one listed, sold for $149.99. That is incredible to go $3 to 150 I mean, I remember, I, I still remember all of the sales that I've had that are like that, where it's just under $5 and you're making over $100. Like those just feel great. They just, they just keep you motivated, right? Because no. you keep, you're like, I want that fine. And this is why I think we're all about like garage sales and so on. Like I know there's other ways, but man, finding that one piece yeah, feels man, good. is super special. So definitely appreciate all those hustle of the week. Thank you guys. If you're not following the hustle of the week hashtag, definitely do so. So thanks so much, Laura and David and Lillian and Matt. And now it's time for us to share our hustle of the week. Yeah. What do you got? I want you to go first. All right. So mine is actually um, nothing Special. I've actually had some really good special deals uh, sales, but I don't want to talk about them. Um, <laughs> Why'd you even say anything? <laughs> well, because I don't want to make it seem like I ain't hustling. Okay. Um, but I would say this has been a really good week for me, just selling bread and butter items. Um, sold a lot of clothes, uh, sold some board games, sold some you know odds and end trinket stuff, uh, and and even like a pair of speakers, like a lot of things. And what's really been encouraging is a lot of the things that I've sold this week. Like I'd say at least four or five of the things that I've sold this week have been things that were from my first like month or two of, of reselling when I was picking stuff up and I'm like, man, is this stuff ever going to sell? So when I see those things sell, it becomes a hustle of the week to me because it's like, I didn't quite know what I was doing, but it was still a good buy and I'm recouping costs and I'm making money. Yep. And so, you know, it's just been a bread and butter week and it feels good. All right. That was a, you know, when you sell stuff from the very beginning, doesn't it feel nice? Though? It does. It really does. Because you're like, why did I pick this up now? Mine's an interesting one because I'm going to share uh, retail arbitrage. So, so I had this scenario where during Q4, I picked up, I'm going to list two things because I don't know, maybe they're hot, but they're hard to come by and it's hard to make profit. So I'm just going to throw it out there. So there is this, there is, well, one of them I'm not going to mention. The other one I am going to mention. <laughs> Sorry, I'm backtracking. So one of them I have, I, I try to put on Amazon and then I got this mean email saying, you can't sell this item anymore. What? Like, wh why? Mm, yeah, you were selling those masks. No, no, it wasn't masks. No, no, no. Actually, I haven't sold a single mask or sanitizer or any of that. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. But again, 
Um, we'll talk about this with full time is that like those things are good. I would say when you're part time, but when you jump full time, like you can't jump from one hot item to the next because you got to have consistent sales. And we'll talk about that. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. So the one item I got this, you know, one of those emails and I'm like, ah, this is so frustrating. I bought 40 something of those items. Right. And what am I going to do with this? So I went to eBay and I sold through all of them within a month at a higher cost than I did at Amazon on eBay. Like the velocity was there. So I was pretty proud of that. Now the other one is I remember, have you seen those Oregon trail handheld games? Uh huh. So I was really frustrated. So I, I bought a bunch of these. I was selling them on Amazon during Q4. They weren't really like a hot item. I mean, you could make profit. It just, it all depends, depends on the price point. So I picked them up at a time where they were on sale, I think for like $14.99 or something. And then on top of that, there was like, if you spend $75, spend a hundred dollars, you get $25 off. So it averaged out that I, I had each of them for about $10 a piece. So not, this isn't going to be huge profit, but this is why I feel victory in this. So I had about 32 of these. I went to send them into Amazon and Amazon said, no, you can't send these because you have four of them that are stranded. Like what? Like, why are these stranded? No rationale, no reason. I tried to get them sent back to me so I could finally send these in. For a reason, they wouldn't let me, like they said there was some review on this item. So I'm stuck with these 32. Now, could I have gone back to Target and returned all these? Sure. But you know what? I, I didn't want to. I just, I didn't want to play the game. So I listed them on eBay and I sold through them. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. You know, and I made like $7 net profit on each of them. And that's not a huge thing. But here's the thing. It was really, it felt like a replenishable. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and maybe, maybe I'm throwing out a replenishable and killing the bolo market. I don't think I am. Because I looked at, Tar long, I was looking at Target site right now. We were talking and it, it, they're being sold at the same price that I was selling them at, on eBay. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I don't know why people chose to buy from me. I will tell you, this is what I did do. So we had talked about before how when you have those items that there's a lot of people that are selling it and you price it a little higher and you sell through a lot of them and then you slowly raise you your price. You mean a little lower? A little lower, yeah. sorry. And then you slowly raise the price. I did that. And I became the main go-to guy for Oregon handheld travel game. Nice. And, and you didn't die of dysentery? No, I didn't die of dysentery. So it sold, it sold, it sold, it sold. And so to me, I'm like, those two items, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to go to Amazon. Maybe I can sell just as well on eBay. So what, what ended up happening was I tried with other items I was selling on Amazon and I would sell them. So it changed my perspective. Like I'm slowly going, you know what? It's a win. It's a hustle. Why? One is I fought through the circumstances. Two, less fees, so more money in my pocket, right? Three, more control over my inventory. Four, I sold through all of them without a problem. So hustle of the week, victory for me. I'm happy with it. So there we go. I like it. All right. So that's our hustles of the week. Yeah. And keep sending to us. Make sure you're following that hashtag, lot of valuable info. And while we're talking about this, hey, on social media, if you haven't had a chance, make sure to follow us on Puroso, <laughs> follow us on Puroso Podcast. Follow yeah. us on Instagram. We are Puroso Podcast on TikTok and on Facebook. On Twitter, we are Puroso Cast. If you're trying to figure out and see how tired we look because it's super late right now, jump on over to YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's almost early. And that bell notification. It's not midnight yet, is almost. it? Almost. It's on. We're getting there. 
I, I'm full energy. We can go for like five more hours. All right. Also, uh, you can follow us. Uh, and I'm sure I was going to throw on like Snapchat, but we're not on Snapchat anymore. We did. We were on Snapchat for a little while. So just a little while. I just, and after a while, we're like, eh. All right. Hey, if you ever want to give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Shoot us an email. podcast at gmail.com. Also, hey, if you'd love to write us a review on iTunes, we're always grateful. Let me read the, the latest one. Let's hear it. I always like reading these because not just to show, hey, this is how people like our podcast, but I, I always like- We appreciate. We appreciate when you leave us comments. So, I mean, we want to share that love. And uh, just like a hustle of the week, we want to call out the people who are, are doing great things. Uh, we want to acknowledge the people who are encouraging us because uh, we can't express our gratitude enough to you. So thank you so much for these comments. They really are what keep us going. And even if you don't have time to leave us a comment, the stars alone are great. Uh, it helps a ton. Uh, but we do read every comment and and they mean the world to us. And so we're at 249 and reviews. My goal by the end of, let's say by the end of May, I would love to be at 300. Okay. So, you know, Orlando, like we don't want to let him down. So <laughs> we don't want to mess his goal up. So please, if you haven't left us a review yet, uh, just jump onto iTunes. Even if you don't want to type anything, just give us the stars. It, like, it helps us so, 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 so much. And we really appreciate it. And if you want to leave a little note, we we appreciate that so much. So um, if you haven't done it yet, please take the couple of minutes to do it. It would mean the world to us. Thank you. All right. So latest one from tpeat 3 Love the podcast said, I don't know how I found this podcast, but I can't stop listening. Oh, thanks. Wanted to possibly get into reselling, but was scared to take the plunge. I started at number one when you guys were in the 80s or 90s. That's all. Isn't that crazy? So I appreciate you listening all the way through. That yeah. is awesome. I started to piece together supplies needed to do it part-time, hobby to pay some bills, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. I listened and learned and finally listened my first item on eBay during podcast 118. Nice. Whoa. Listed six items to get the feel for it and sold three in two days. Nice. Now I'm hooked. Thank you guys for taking the time away from your schedules, keeping us informed and constantly learning to make it our own. I did listen to Mike and list things around the house and learn from that. All right, Mike. Yeah. Now time to start hustling. Hustle, hustle. Thank you, TP3, for your review. Really appreciate the love and I'm really grateful for that. Yes, so. thank you so much. All right. All right, so let's talk about inventory now. So we've talked about the finances, we talked about money, and that's important. Uh, but there's a, a part of your value. I mean, I like to look at 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 your eBay store value, and it tells you what it's kind of worth. Like your assumed if it, value, if it were to all sell at your listed price, right? But that's a good. It's a good indicator if your pricing is right of what your store value is. And so you want that number to keep going up. So what do you think is like an important place to be as far as how much you have online inventory? It's it's not liquid, but a lot of times when you look at business stocks, what that valued on is a lot of times if that company were to sell and they were to sell everything they had, what is it actually worth? And that's kind of how we value huh. ourselves as a business. If you were to piece it all out and actually just liquidate, what is it? What is the value of? It? What's the real value of your company? So what's what's a good place to be at as far as online inventory? Okay, so I am only one perspective. So the reason I want to say that is because. For instance, Cindy from Amazing Taste Store, right? She sells through all her stuff. That's true. It's like, she is amazing. She is, I mean, legit. Like, you, if you ever get a chance to, you know, well, you should. You should be following her on Instagram. And if you ever get to watch her videos on YouTube, you should. Her and Matt do an incredible job. So my model is a little different than hers because I'm more of like, hey, 
if for whatever reason, for an entire month, I couldn't list, will I have inventory in my store that will continue to sell? Right. That is important to me because if you're going to go full time, my perspective is you don't want to be in this constant grind of having to find stuff to sell over and over and over again. You want to be able to coast for a little bit if you need to coast. If you want to go on a vacation, you want to be able to coast. Right. Because that's super important. And again, if you're doing a store that sells through everything constantly, then, you know, that's a different model. So you should, you know, look at how that model works. For my model is, I love it when I can go away for a week and I'm still going to have enough sales, right, to sell through, including Amazon. I always like having, you always have to have enough that if you couldn't source for Amazon for a month, can you still make sales? So for example, right now, I stopped doing Amazon for a month. And what is today? March. I don't know. By the time this episode drops, it's going to be like mid-March or close to mid-March. And, you know, I'll still have several thousand in Amazon sales without me doing absolutely anything right now. That's part of my experiment. Like, I'm not going to be sending retail arbitrage into Amazon until the end of April, beginning of May. I'm still sending in, you know, stuff I find at thrift stores or garage sales and so on. But you want to have enough inventory that you are not stressing like, hey, if everything were to be, you know, fall, go south. Am I still going to be able to make sales? Right. The other component is, do you have enough to list? Yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, we talk, um, you know, the the whole idea of, of death piles, right? Um, which is true. Part of death piles could be procrastination. That is very much the case for a lot of people. A lot of the items I have, it's just procrastination. Um, but we also talked about in some ways, like realistically, it's also could be inventory reserves. So sometimes you have a few good weeks of of sourcing. But then it's going to take you a while to list all that stuff. But then you might have a couple of dry weeks. So what do you feel is like a comfortable place to be at as far as, oh, man. Um, you know, a backlog of things? Like we've talked before about, is it 10 listings a day? Is it 25 listings a day? And how much should you be having the back in, backlog in case you don't have very good sourcing days? I think it all depends on how much you need to sell it a week to be able to pay bills. Right. So if you need to sell, let's say you need to sell... And it all depends on your average selling price, right? And so that that's a tough one too. So this is all dependent on your situation. But let's say, for example, you need to sell, I don't know, 20 items a day, right? And in order to pay bills. And so let's say you go two weeks and you can't source for two weeks or you can't find anything for two weeks. That's a lot. I'm not saying you need to have that. That's a lot. I mean, the number I'm throwing out, that's like 200 something items you know, having your reserves. But I'll tell you this. You need to be able, and I I think I should have brought this in earlier. Yeah, and this is part of it is that you need to be able to know enough sourcing that you can always find stuff. If you're in a place as a part-time seller that you can go sourcing for eight hours, and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number, and you can't come home with 100 items to list, I don't think you're ready to go full-time as far as eBay goes. Because you need to have that knowledge base. So I would say do dry runs, you know, like I, I remember I shared this before when we, when I was part-time where like on Christmas break, I, I decided to say, Hey, I'm going to be a full-time seller for five days. I'm going to source for five days. I'm going to spend five hours each day and see what I come up with. And I remember the first time I did it, I had a brutal time. I mean, you talked about this, like you still struggle sourcing, right? But now you've figured out other ways to source, right? So I would say, it all depends on your model, right? So for me, 
I always like to have enough for, you know, I list about 10 to 15 a day. I'm not saying that's the way to do it. My average selling price right now is about $52 an item. And so I'm kind of in a happy place. I'm good with that. I wish it was 80, but you know, I don't think average selling price is everything. I think sell through is just as important. And ROI is actually even more than average selling price. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Right. And I could say on mine, uh, you know, for every whatever $52, I would say probably my cost at the most is at the most like $20 on each of those items. Right. Yeah. And I think um, just kind of going back really quick to the idea of like inventory reserves, kind of to play devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. um, Realistically, as far as economics go, I mean, we talk about the algorithm and it might, it might be beneficial to, to, save items to list a certain amount. Like instead mm-hmm. of listing 50 in one day, you list 25 a day for two days. That that potentially could be a thing. Mm-hmm. But just from a base economic, you know, no other factors involved, it's always better. I, I mean, I don't know if this could be argued against this, but I'm about to make. But if you've got 200 items in your inventory reserves... And I'm not like, saying that's how much you need. But no, no, I'm... I'm not, yeah, I get that. But like, let's just say you've got 200 items you haven't listed yet. And you're like, well... I'm going to keep these kind of in case I have some bad sourcing days. I think it's always better if those were already listed a month ago, yesterday, mm-hmm. whenever. It's always better to have Agreed. had them listed Agreed. and to have zero things to list and to spend that time outsourcing, even if you have a couple bad days, because those things are selling and that's building cap. Like you're going to get the money sooner. And, and money today is always worth more than money tomorrow. Um, because one, you got the re- the return on investment when you reinvest to buy more capital and two inflation. And I know when you're talking like mm-hmm. micro level doesn't seem to make a big deal, but it, it would but always come six months or a year. It becomes a big deal. Yeah. So it's always better. Like, you know, if I've got, I got items right now that I haven't listed yet, if I'd have listed them last month and half of them would have already sold, mm-hmm. it would have been better than me to say like, well, if I have a bad weekend, then I can list these items. Well, I could have already had that money and so I'd let- rather have the money than have items sitting here, not listed. So let me clarify that. I 100% agree with what you're saying. I don't think there's an argument against it. What I will say is you should be able to pick up the amount of items you need to consistently list. Yeah, that's that, that That's the big thing. So why don't we land on that? I mean, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, I I just, I, from my own experience, I have found that like there were certain weeks where like my kid was sick or or something happened and I couldn't source, but man, I still had all these items that I could list and it worked out, right? That's good. And and how long did you feel like it took you to get to that place? Because like I've said, there's times where I go out and it's like, I go to garage sales and I know I'm not as knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but I mean, realistically, you can go out and, and there might be 10 garage sales in your local area in a weekend. And because there's so few, you can actually spend the time like looking through stuff. Mm-hmm. You get quickly to each one and then maybe even go back like okay, I'm going to spend more time. I've got all the low hanging fruit and there's just really nothing. Like it's like, okay, this is all just used baby stuff and nothing that like I'm going to get money on this stuff like wow this this place is really bad and like so there's times you go and there's just there really is nothing like there might be a couple things here and there but you can't you can't make a place have something valuable that doesn't have it but uh, go ahead no i I get the idea that like you can build a knowledge base to find things that you might have skipped before and like oh there actually is money here but like if you were to literally scan absolutely 100 percent of the items that they have there are times when you might go to 10 garage sales and there's just Five items you're able to pick up. That's a great point. I mean, that's the next part here is that it's not only like, hey, going to thrift stores. It's do you have constant sources, connections that you will always have? Like you should always have an abundance of where to get inventory. That's huge. So for instance, right now, if I were to say I'm never going to another garage sale, 
I, that wouldn't be a problem. If you were to tell me you can never go to another thrift store, that wouldn't be a problem, right? I'd be totally fine. If you were to tell me for Amazon, like you can't, you know, do RA at these stores, that would be a problem, right? And so you have to be able to, whatever model, if you're going to go Amazon, you have to have a consistent source for you to send into FBA, right? If you don't have a consistent source, man, you're going to be in a lot of hurt, right? Once a certain source dries up, right? So you got to be aware of that. If you're on eBay, like you got to have the ability that if you can't source, like you said, if I go to thrift, if you go to, I, I always believe, and I've, I shared this conversation with, I think I was talking to uh, Latin Pickers this last week. Cause he had asked me, he point blank said, Orlando, could you go full time going to thrift stores? And I said, no, I, maybe you can, maybe if you go to the bins, maybe, right. I don't know enough, but I would say myself, based on my experience in San Diego, I couldn't do it. Right. And you kind of figured that out. Like you've, you've had a consistent, you kind of have like a consistent way to source now fingerlings. Right. Like right now, I mean, I'm not saying. I just bleeped that out just so you know. You did that? Okay. Uh, yeah. Just checking. All I don't right. want anybody to know my item. Was it fingerlings? I just bleeped it out again. I am so sorry. And no worries. It's bleeped out. I cannot believe I did that. Okay. That's good. All right. Everybody knows that I'm uh, picking up fingerlings <laughs> now, so it's fun. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Well, it is getting late. It is getting late. So, yeah, please bleep that. No, it's bleep. No worries. Okay. It's already done. They All heard right. the bleep. Were they able to see they, my lips? They heard you saying bleep the fingerlings. And so, they're, okay. you know, it's good. Well, yeah. So, you found a way to consistently source fingerlings. <laughs> Right. And so I'm just going to use, I'm going to say fingerlings for me one time, nice and clearly fingerlings. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that out. And when you mention the thing, I'm going to bleep instead of bleeping, I'm just going to replace you saying fingerlings and it's going to sound great. There you go. There yep. you go. Right. But you have found a consistent source, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you were never to go to a thrift store or to go, <laughs> I'm still laughing at this happened. <laughs> I can't good, believe, man. I can't believe that happened. Oh man. Okay. It's in the past. Sometimes the past hurts. I feel like I hope the mic covered my lips enough. I'll I'll blur it out too. Okay, do it. All right. I'll put like the troll face and you know the you, troll. You've just been doing such a good job. I oh man. All right. So if you were never to go to another garage sale or another thrift store, you can still source those right. items, right? And so I think that's very very important because when you're full time, like you're gonna need the constant flow of sales, which means you're gonna have to have the constant flow of inventory coming in. Okay. The other item is metrics. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but when you're full time, like you want to have good metrics because that's going to matter when it comes to buyers trusting what you're selling, whether it's on Amazon, whether it's on eBay, Poshmark, oh, maybe not Poshmark, but you know, other platforms, because again, if you're just starting and you have like 10 stars, which you know, I don't know how much it matters, but I think it does. Like people aren't going to consistently go to you for certain items. Right. Or if you have repeat buyers, like, Hey, it matters a lot more. If somebody comes in with a thousand feedback on top of a 50 feedback and you have better pictures and better return policy, people are more likely going to go to you. And so you're able to, you know, have more sales. So you got to think about metrics. Like if you're starting brand new, and you can only list so many items and, you know, you only have, let's say on Amazon, right? You have only 10 items that you sold and somebody gave you a negative feedback. 
you're already going to be down to a 90 and somebody gives you another one, you'll be down to eight. That, like that's going to hurt. You want to be at a place that like, if you get dinged a couple of times, like the other day I had a negative feedback, it only knocked me down to 99.5%. Right. And I don't have a ton of feedback comparison to other major full-time resellers, but it's very important. Yeah. So, so when it comes to inventory, do you have enough if things were to stop and slow down to continue selling? Right? Do you have uh, enough knowledge about niche? We didn't talk about that too much, but not just one niche. And Craigslist Center talked about this multiple niches, right? Because what if the fingerlings that you're sourcing were no longer available? Do you have another item that you can source, right? right? It's super important. I would say you need to have at least more than five. So for me, like for instance, I know my vintage apparel, I know shoes. I know video games. I know Harley. I know da da da. Like I, I know, I know a lot. I don't. I'm not an expert, but I know a lot. That if one of those were to tank right now, I could find other niches, and it'd be totally fine. So make sure you're able to do that. Do you want? You have any questions? No, I mean I think that's good. I think I think you're still jarred by me dropping that. No, man. Okay. I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't mind that people know that I'm selling fingerlings. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. Um. And so again, have your connections, be able to source. If garage sales were going to, were to go away, do you have another avenue? If thrift stores were to go away, do you have another avenue? If wholesale were to go, to go away, do you have another avenue? Make sure you have enough connections that you can still make your business run if one of those were to go away. And then yeah. the other thing is platforms. So you notice I didn't say this directly, but make sure you're selling on multiple platforms. Not saying you have to have more than two, but you need to have, I would say, at least two, right? So for me, it's eBay and Amazon, right? On a slow day in Amazon. Uh, Amazon. <laughs> Did I just say Amazon? Amazon. <laughs> That's what we call it now when you sell on Amazon and eBay. You're just selling on the big Amazon. You're an Amazon. You're an Amazon seller. Or an Amabay. It could be Amabay. Or it could be... No, part, no okay. just those two. Just those two. <laughs> I was going to try others. It would have been fun. It's getting late. Come on now. All right, so multiple platforms because you never know when things are going to slow down on one or you may get suspended and not know it. Whatever the case, you want to be able to continue your livelihood. Now, we haven't touched on other things, but, you know, be able to do the local game. Have you tried the local game, right? So th there's various avenues. We're just talking about inventory. Now, on an upcoming episode, what we want to talk about is, number one, do you have the organization to go full time? That's hu huge. We're going to talk about bookkeeping. And so on. Do you have the time management to be able to go full time, right? Do you have the ability, right, to work and work and work? We're going to talk about that too. And we're going to talk about other things related to, hey, now that you're full time, can you make it happen? Yeah. So stay tuned. And with that being said, thank you for sticking with us through the end here and make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Please. Please.